So, you know, Ross, uh, first off, happy to have you here. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What is this, episode 95? Uh, I think I, the the book podcast threw me off all number-wise. It's 95 I or 96. I think it's 95. Yeah. I think we just did 94. I think we're, yeah, you, you, we've been, like, thinking we're a number ahead yeah. the whole time. We're It's definitely 95. Gotcha. Last episode, the Immaculate Ross Orlando. It's, <laughs> we'll never have a better title. We'll see. Uh, Impossible. <laughs> so, I went out for lunch today, mm. and I don't know if I just uh, like this is this is very personal to me because I've never been betrayed by a burger. But this burger, I asked for medium. And I didn't expect medium to bleed like it did I feel like in you... certain spots. It wasn't the whole thing. Like, parts of it were appropriately pink and then, you know, cooked. But then, like, it feels like they had half the burger on the burner and half of it just kind of like, eh. Yeah, I feel like you're more of, like, a medium well, well done guy. Usually, oh. it depends. So, it like, medium well, sometimes people do medium well and they take it too literal and they overcook it. Yeah. Because they think, oh, this guy just wants a really cooked burger. I usually go medium if it's a place I trust. Previously, I trusted this place. Mm. And I got home and felt the immediate urge to sleep. And since I woke up, I have been very cold. And it is 70 degrees outside and not cold. You have a fever. Like, I am borderline shivering. I don't have a fever, but I'm, like, borderline shivering. Interesting. Which I don't think is right in 70-degree weather. Hmm. I don't think people usually shiver. Uh, 70 degrees. I mean, unless they're like from an especially warm climate. I don't know. You've you're from a warm climate. Am I? Absolutely not. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> I don't think that's accurate. It is inaccurate. What is accurate is this is episode 95 of the Half Gen Podcast. I am Chris. I'm Ross. And together we form the podcast. Our powers combined. Form of bucket of water. It's not... No, our powers combined is Captain Planet. I know. Who said Wonder Twins and Captain Planet never had a crossover. Did they? I have no idea. Probably not. Yeah, I didn't think you did. No, but hey, you know... Hey, maybe in Europe. (laughs) Well, I'm a little rusty on my cartoon history in Europe. Sorry. I'm a relatively new migrant. Do you know apparently Japan loves Tom and Jerry? I did not know that. I saw an article today and like they apparently have like a museum or something. Like they love Tom and Jerry. There's, huh, there's a Curious George store in Cambridge by Harvard that's just huh. only Curious George stuff, which I didn't know that had a big enough following to warrant it on, its own store. I, yeah, that's weird. But, like, I never, like, you know, Japan is definitely, you know, they have their own brand of animation, you know? Yeah. So I'm surprised that, like, an American classic is so revered there. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's, any listeners who know the history, let us know. Curious. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they had, like, lifelike statues of them, and they look good. Oh. And I was just like, huh, this is a neat place. Yeah. Weird. And all the text was in Japanese, and I was like, yeah, this is definitely not a picture taken somewhere else. This is definitely <laughs> Japan. <laughs> oh, man. Did you play anything this week? Nope. Oh, great. All right. Yep. Uh, <laughs> just uh, did a lot of reading, Did a, read a lot of comics i read a the closest thing i did playing a video game i read a book about um kind of the development of the original star wars knights of the old republic which was interesting Ooh. um how was that was it a real page turn it was it was Ooh. relatively short book 
It's if you haven't heard of it, Boss Fight Books. It's this. Uh, I think it was originally Kickstarter or Indiegogo or something. But um, basically, they people pitch them like games that they want to talk about, and if they like it, they'll give them a book. Like Ashley Birch, voice of Chloe from Life is Strange, and Aloy from I Horizon. I think Aloy is her bigger role at this point. That's not. Her, I feel like Aloy is the lead. It's not her more likable role. I mean, but that's her more prominent role. She's always Chloe go, to me. I know, but once you go triple A, you're triple A. You know, uh, like, that's the thing. Like, nobody remembers, you know, Troy Baker from Obscure Game Number 1. Life is Strange was not obscure. No, I know, but I'm just saying. Hey, Life is Strange is not obscure, but I don't... You're listen. being super not hella dope, Shaka Bra. Anyway. It's true. I'm um, just saying Life is Strange probably doesn't have the crowd appeal of, like, a Telltale game. And even those... Didn't have much crowd appeal, apparently. <laughs> anyway, Ashley Birch and her brother wrote a book about their experience with Metal Gear Solid. And um, went into, like, the first time playing it. And they went into analyzing it. Uh, there's one about Shadow of the Colossus that I have. Where it's just about this guy talking about the game. And the Knights of the Old Republic one, the, the author just decided to interview a bunch of people who were around Bioware at the time. And Lucas Arts at the time. And... It's interesting. It's a good series of books. They have a, I think they're at like 20 something and each one is centered around a different game. So nice. Yeah, they're cool. Ross, I do want to, I, I also read a book around video games this mm. week, but <clears throat> real quick, uh, something I'm not sure you know, and that's something that was confirmed by Randy Pitchford in light of the Troy Baker didn't want this job and Troy Baker being like, eh, check your facts, son. Um, Ashley Birch, did you know her first major role was Tiny Tina? I did know she was Tiny Tina, yeah. I, She's coming back. Is She's she? confirmed for Borderlands 3 as Tiny Tina once oh, again. Interesting. So. Cool. I, it's a shame because I know that's one of your least enthusiastic, uh, uh, you know, roles that she's in. <laughs> yeah, out of the three I know off the top of my head, it's a distant third. Yeah, maybe she'll be better. She's more grown up in this one. Yeah, we'll see. We'll but yeah, see. I didn't I didn't realize it was her and then like I'm thinking back on it and I'm like I could totally see it being her now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. Um but yeah, I read a I read a book called The Grind. Uh you know, I I have been a long-time follower and subscriber of the streamer uh, Maximus Black. Indeed. Jeffrey Johnston. So he wrote a book called The Grind. Uh and I bought it, you know, kind of to support him months ago and I never got around to reading it. And basically it's just him breaking down like how to be a successful streamer. Mhm. Uh, and you know, it's a, it's a pretty short read. I think it's like 80 something pages. Um, you know, I, I bought it more than anything to like, you know, support the content creator, but I did read through it. Uh, and there, there is definitely some good stuff. If anybody out there is like looking like, huh, how do I make it big in streaming? You know, this is like a $10 book you can buy. It's on Amazon. You can buy digital or physical. And, uh, it's, it's got a lot of information, about like what you should be doing, how you should be allocating your time. And the most important thing is it basically forces you to ask yourself like, hey, what kind of streamer are you setting out to be? You know, are you going to be the guy who wants to, you know, the guy or girl or whatever who wants to make money? Uh, are you doing this as a hobby or are you doing this just as like a, you know, every once in a while, I'm just going to do this thing for ha-has. So right. it, it, it asks it asks a lot of like the hard hitting questions that people probably don't think about. And it gives a lot of tips on like, hey, these are the things you should focus on. These are the things that will come over time. Don't worry about this. You know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> like I think a big common mistake in a lot of new streamers, like when I look at smaller streamers, um, 
not that I'm a, I'm not saying like I'm a big streamer, but like I look at other people's channels and I scroll down below their uh, video. And like the first thing when you go into like any up and coming air quotes streamer, you'll usually see like a big overlay and like small gameplay. And it's got like their Twitter, their socials and all these things. And then you scroll down more and you've got like buy merch, you know, Patreon, all these things and all these like monetization things. And it's like, you have to earn that. Yeah, you really do. And I, like, you can't, like, what are you monetizing if you don't have viewers? You know, if your viewers are only, like, your three friends, what are you monetizing, you know? So yeah. that's something that I definitely, you know, that, that I kind of, I figured that out because for the longest time, I didn't have a donation button or anything, but around the time where they rolled out affiliate, I did add it because people were requesting it, and, you know, it, it was nice to get some donation. I don't get a lot, but... It's, you know, it's a nice way for people to contribute. But the thing is, is like people, if they want to support you on Twitch, they will ask to support you. They will say, hey, why don't you have a donation button? I'd drop you 10 bucks. And that's like, that should be the thing in your mind where it's like, hey, you know what? Maybe it's time to add that button. So like, that's the thing. That would be my tip. And that's something that he kind of addresses in the book. It's a useful book. It's a very useful book for anybody looking to get started in streaming. Um, especially now because the market is so saturated, mm. it, it really offers tips on like how to best utilize your time and, uh, you know, how to approach it. Nice. So that was cool. Yeah. It was a nice little read. Um, but, what you, uh, what have you been playing? I played a couple things this week. I think this one's going to be the most shocking. I played Anthem. Oh, I thought you were going to go with destiny two and be ironic. No, I played Anthem, yeah. and I am at the point right now where I'm like, I am committed, I am going to finish Anthem, the game that is there, because I thought about it, and I'm like, the longer I wait, the more the game changes, and like, I don't think they've done enough yet to like really change the base game enough, where it's like, it's it's unidentifiable from when it came out, but like... I kept sitting there and thinking, like, we had this talk on the podcast, like, what do we do about Anthem? Do we wait? Do we do it now? I think I want to finish Anthem, put something up. I don't know if it's going to be a final say right now. I don't know if I'm going to have enough to say, you know, for a, you know, for anything but a final say. You know, I don't know if I have enough, you know, new insight. Here's the thing, though. Uh, first question I have for you, I want you to guess, how many times did it take me loading Anthem for the game to work? Three. Higher. Five. Correct. Yay. Took me five times. It disconnected my GPU twice. It locked up on the loading screen twice. And like, at one point, it locked up my whole computer. I had to restart my whole computer. It was just a hard <laughs> lock. And I was going to give it three tries, and it failed again on the third one. And I was like, nah, nah. I'm playing you whether you like it or not. <laughs> and I got in and I didn't have any problems after that, including like closing the game and reloading it. Like I repaired it. I updated all my drivers. I did everything I could to get this game working properly. And man, it took me five tries to get in there. And here's the sad thing of it all. That game is still fun. There yep. is something about the movement and the way the javelins work. Like I picked it right back up. I was nailing my combos. The thing that really sucked, I was getting kind of bored. Honestly, because I was doing the missions, I'm still playing on hard, and I was doing them by myself because there wasn't a lot of people doing the missions I was on, so I wasn't matchmaking with anybody, even though matchmaking was on, which is, does not say much about 
that community right now, I guess. Yeah. But um, I did get into a couple games later, like, you know, later missions that people were matching into. And, like, I was a lower level character. Like, I'm in the high teens and there are people in, like, the mid to high 20s. And I was keeping up. Like, I was contributing. And, like, it felt good to get some of those combos going. And, like, you know, the, the gameplay is weirdly satisfying. And I, for the record, I play the Interceptor. I love the mobility of the Interceptor. I've been kind of changing my kit. Um, I loaded in and I had a kit I was not familiar with at all. I don't remember ever changing it to that, but whatever. Um, I went back to my Dawn of whatever rifle it was, uh, which I think they upgraded the power on it. I think they made it stronger. I don't know. But I have that rifle that we got for like, you know, being the origin premiere. And then I have my SMG because I'm a big fan of SMGs. And, you know, just kind of going through and shredding. And it, it, it's, it's fun. I, I like the combos, you know, that stuff. Like when you get that ping and it's just combo, combo, combo. And it's like, that's really satisfying. But like the missions I did, only one of them, there is this one that's kind of getting into itself right now. It was kind of, it was a really boring mission because it was just, hey, you know, this freelancer's requesting help for this strider that broke down. And it's like, hey, go and get the supplies that dropped off. And it's like, oh, this dude's shady. And, like, the guy, the Rush, fake Russian guy, like, is recognizing that his story sounds suspect, but does nothing about it. And the mission itself is really boring. It's just go and gather these things. They're scattered all around. Then come back, defend the area. And then it's like, okay, this dude is up to something, but the game won't... The game thinks I'm stupid. And, you know, that, and that's a continuing problem with Anthem, is, like, some of the stuff in that game is just... You wonder what happened with some of the writing. Mm, like yeah. Ma- I feel like Mass Effect didn't have that problem. Like Mass Effect rarely treated you as like someone stupid. Like, oh, this guy's bad, but you don't know, you know. Like they they made it very clear, and I feel like in this game they're doing a very poor job of trying to hide people's intentions, or they're making it too obvious, and it's just not fun. Yeah, like just, there was no uh, aha moment when it was like I got another mission like an hour later, and it's like this guy never showed up, and the freelancer, it's not even a freelancer. That's a Dominion guy. And I was like, oh, big surprise. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, it's an interesting storyline. But it would have been cooler if they sold it a little better. And then there was like that aha moment. Like, oh my God, this dude's betraying us. Whoa. You know? Yeah. It seems like that's probably a result of them changing directors a few times. And the full game, what we see today, like being in development for like a year. <laughs> yeah. Also uh, for what it's worth, I did finally get to the mission where I have to do those things to unlock the tombs. Oh yeah. yeah two yeah. of them were already done. I was three out of four on another and two out of four on a third, on a fourth. Oh, that's good. So, so like it's, I was I'm it's almost re- done with it. It's retroactive. Yes. They fixed okay, that. So like good. I did a bunch of that stuff. They just track the challenges now and it's like, Hey, you did this. I was like, nice. cool. I did do that. Thank you for noticing. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I played that. I had a pretty good time. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, you know, it was the most exciting. Like, it's it's really, it can be a really fun game, but it can also just be such a slog. Yeah. And just, like, feel like you're doing nothing. It's like the core gameplay is fun, but, but everything surrounding it. it is just mediocre. It's really just Destiny 1. <sighs> but they tried a little harder, and it doesn't help. No, I feel like... I stuck with Destiny 1 a lot longer than I have with Anthem. <laughs> True. Uh, but uh, but yeah. yeah, so I spent a couple hours playing that uh, over the past two days. Okay. So, like, that's 
that's been pretty fun. Yeah. Um, nice. I put a little more time into Sekiro because Sekiro is like, God, I don't know how to feel about this game. <laughs> it's really fun to listen to you figure out how you feel about this game. It's entertaining. I don't like it like I like Bloodborne. I don't yeah. like it like I like Dark Souls, but I don't hate it, you know? Yeah. So definitely it's just you're, this definitely struggle. You're... And like, I had, I, I had a problem because I came back and I was like, I can't remember anything I was doing. Oh, and yeah. so that's I rough had in from to, software games. I had to look a couple things up just to be like, just to remind myself, okay, I'm in this area. What am I supposed to be doing? And like, I would just get the first tidbit of look at this area. And I was like, okay, got it. And then like, I just kind of took it from there, but like, I just didn't remember like where I left off, you know? Yeah. 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 So I, I progressed more. I found something that I missed the first time I was supposed to meet up with this guy uh, on these rooftops and I didn't end up doing it. Cause I was just like, I'm not going to wander around these rooftops. I'm going to go do other stuff. And then I found out he was like one building away in a place mm-hmm. I'd already been, but he got moved there while I was fighting a boss. I was like, okay, whatever. All right. Talk to this guy, have a drink. That's cool. And I'm on my way. And so the story is starting to move. I'm finding new areas. And like, I beat this like kind of tough area. Um, I don't want to talk too much about it because I, I don't know how far people are or how interested they are in knowing, like, what happens in the game. But, um, you know, it was definitely, like, it, it was fun, you know? Like, there there is a level of fun to that. And, like, some of the bosses, like, the mini bosses, some of them are more punishing than the big bosses. But, like, there was one I just couldn't, like, wrap my head around, like, how to beat this guy. Mm-hmm. And I just wasn't really thinking it through. And then, like, once I figured it out, it was just like, oh, my God, this guy is so easy. I can beat this guy in a minute, you know? But I was dying to him in 30 seconds because I wasn't playing it right. Did you need to use the divine confetti? Oh, no, not that guy. I I, I ran past that guy. (laughs) I I skipped him entirely. I just thoroughly enjoyed the phrase divine confetti. I finally got an item that reduces terror buildup. So I might be able to fight that guy now. Oh, nice. Yeah. Because terror sucks. Yeah, terror's not great. It's like you know a, in uh, Dark Souls when it's it had like the, the petrification thing. Yes, and, yes, yes. It's just like that, but it stacks faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah, takes yeah. two hits, yeah. two solid unblocked hits, and you're done. The ultimate get good status. Yeah, and that's the thing is like, I've really just come to understand my biggest issue with Sekiro is Sekiro, and I, I probably talked about this before. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but like this game is just like so much. Pardon me. So much more mechanically intensive than from software's other games, in the sense of like you not only have to remember all the abilities you have available to you, you have to manage the items you have available to you, which is like you know that's similar to Dark Souls, and I'm not trying to say like that's not, but the way they combine for different fights, it's like in Dark Souls you can go through the whole game with just using like an Estus flask, you know, and and not using any of the bombs or anything like that, but you know, in Sekiro, it's like, you don't always have the luxury of just pushing through something, or you definitely don't have the luxury of leaving, getting stronger, and coming back, you know, because that's not always an option. If you're stuck on, you know, three directions on three mini bosses, guess what? You have to beat one of them to progress, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's this constant juggling of like, okay, understanding this person's patterns, figuring them out, probably dying a bunch and then giving everybody dragon rot, which I don't care anymore. Dragon rot, whatever. I can fix that. It's no problem. 
I have enough of those things. Dragon Rot for days. I don't care. Everybody dies. Um, but, like, it, it's... Some enemies just don't have those tells. And I'm just like, I don't know... I don't always know what to do. And I'm sitting there banging my head against the wall against the enemy. Like, I fought this mini-boss, and I just could not take her in, like, a one-on-one -on -one fight for two rounds. Because you have to kill her, and then you have to kill her again. Was it the, the Water Woman? Water Woman? Uh... No, it was in this valley. Okay. She had, like, a gun scythe thing. Hmm. Oh, and I so, think I know which one you're talking Yeah, and so, like, I just couldn't, like... I couldn't really just like, ah, I was just so frustrated. So I ended up running past her because I could run by her and I cleared out all the enemies behind her. And I got another thing, uh, another uh, uh, statue. And I went back behind her and I got the assassination on her, the death blow. So I started already taking a tick off of her and then I just kind of brute forced my way through the fight. And like, it's really cool that you could do that. But like, I didn't feel great after winning because she still almost kicked my ass. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't understand. You know, it's like I run through Dark Souls or Bloodborne at this point, And like, I don't really have a problem. You know, I can play those games. And granted, I put a lot more time into those games than Sekiro. But like by the end of Dark Souls 3 or by the end of even Dark Souls 1, you know, I cheesed in my first ever playthrough, full playthrough of Dark Souls 1, I cheesed the final boss to death. And it's like, I figured those games out. Granted, they're more simple, but it's like, I wonder if like me, I just... I personally, this is a me thing, I struggle the more mechanically intensive your game is. Like, that's why I skip a lot of these indie things, you know, where it's like you have to manage all these things and like, you know, if you die, you start over. And it's like understanding like you got to get these right items at these right times and these builds. And like, I don't remember that stuff. I'm mm -hmm. just like picking stuff up that looks cool. I'm not optimizing builds, you know. I'm playing fashion souls through the whole game. Sekiro doesn't even have any fashion. It's true. But, like, I don't know. I, I like the game enough to keep playing it. But, like, I don't look at this as a game unless, like, things really, like, change at the end. And I'm like, okay, I completely understand this game now. I don't see myself coming back to it, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. this strikes me as, like, a one-and-done type game. And, like, it's... I just don't know how to feel about it, like, completely. Other than I like it enough to play it, but I don't like it enough to... Like, I seriously doubted if I liked it enough to finish it. I, I had that kind of conversation with myself where it's like, do I want to actually finish this game? I, I decided I should. <laughs> it would be the right thing to do. Uh, so I'm going to try. Yeah. We're going to see what happens. But, like, <clears throat> I just got to play it more consistently, I think. that's That's my biggest problem, is it's just, like... It's a weirdly intimidating game, and I'm going to be done. I'm going to wrap up Sekiro. I know I've been talking about Sekiro for a while. My other game's not so long. Um, but, like, I just need to go through and finish the game. That's what I need to do. And the problem is, I heard the last boss is just awful. Oh, nice. So. That's fun. Oh, God. <laughs> so, you know what else I played this week? Well, I do, but I please, know. for the audience. Gears of War 2. Okay, sure. Yeah, why? I had Zane over. Zane came over a couple times. We were playing some split screen. And, um, you know, he just kind of looks at my games list. Because I have a lot more co-op games on Xbox. Yeah. I feel like Xbox is like the local co-op system. Just but, period. I feel but, like it has so many more options. Like, even AAA. 
than PlayStation because PlayStation is so on their single player kick, which is fine. But like, man, sometimes I just want to sit down and play a game on the couch with my friends and PlayStation feels a lot more limiting. Yeah, between those, between those two, definitely Xbox. Yeah, yeah and like sure. PS3 didn't have that problem, I don't feel like. I want to play Heavy Weapon again. Yo, so bad. It's back compat on Xbox One. Sweet. We got to play it. Yeah, we got to play it. Yeah, that game is so good. <laughs> I wish they would bring it back. Get the new, get the new. I didn't Come see on. it. I didn't see it. <laughs> There's too much stuff. Make Jam 3s. Make Jam 3 It's inside jokes. You guys aren't going to get it. It doesn't, it doesn't make, it barely makes any sense to us. But Rick Jam 3s was a call out where we grouped up and we shot the nuke that was dropping. <laughs> That was just his thing. God, I, I don't remember if it was like a player with that name or something. I have no idea. I, like, I don't even remember. <laughs> Man. I think it was a player with that name. And he was supposed to be Rick James, but he said Rick Jam 3s. And then that just stuck. Good. <laughs> oh, man. But so, I'm playing Gears of War 2. Why, didn't, now, why not Gears of War 3? Um, Because he picked 2 this time. I think he remembered when I when we first tried to play three back compat, it was on the original Xbox One, like the uh, original original, yeah, and yeah. that game did not run at all. Yeah, Gears Two is running very well, and I'll tell you what, it looks pretty good too. Oh, nice! Like that game does not look or feel particularly dated. I not have like the noticed, first game. <laughs> yo, the first game is terrible. Yeah. Like by, by <laughs> any modern standard, that first game is genuinely bad. And, like, you don't realize how much better 2 is until you play 1 again and then play 2. And you're like, whoa, the writing is better, the gameplay is more fluid, the visuals are better. Like, Gears 2 is, like, the package. And then Gears 3 is just, like, you remember Gears 2? We kicked its ass and made it a better game. Pretty much. Gears 3 is so good. And then Gears 4 is just, eh. That's still on my it's to like, finish it's, list it's, at some it's point. It's better than Gears 1. <laughs> <laughs> damning compliment yep uh, uh, but yeah that game like some of it feels a little rough I, I think a lot of it for me is just like I have been so like PC focused in recent years that mm. going back to a console shooter like outside of Halo just because I have Halo I have the muscle memory you know like I played so much Halo on a controller I don't think I could ever forget I could have mm. amnesia I could pick up a controller and play Halo yeah you know I could remember nothing else. Who are you, Russ? I don't know. Let's play Halo. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, I'm down. Yeah. <laughs> Best friendship ever. <laughs> <laughs> See, nothing changes. We still talk about Halo. <laughs> <laughs> and as a reminder, Halo Book Club is coming up. Yes, I mean, it's coming up. Half-Gen Book Club. Half-Gen Book Club. Yes, <laughs> Not Halo Book please. Club. <laughs> God. We got to set the right expectations uh, here. Jesus. The branding. Oh, the- man. Um, That's just the one that's too much right away. And th- two, it's not sustainable. <laughs> it's only so many Halo books. Um, anyway, like it, it feels a little rough around the edges, but part of that is me just not being used to the con- the controls. But like from the first day we played it to the second day we played it, like there is stuff in that game that feels like really janky. But like it's a good game still. Like Gears Two, I would not feel bad telling someone like right now to play Gears Two, which I think is the best compliment I can give a game like that because that's from what. 2010? 2010 to 2009? Because the original came yes, out in 2006. Yes, it was 9. You're right. I think it was... Or was it 8? <gasps> it was it 8. Been, yeah, I'm, I'm double checking. I think it checking. was 8. Yeah. Because then 3 was 10. Uh, or 11. Yep, 2008. Okay, yeah. But like, a game that's 11 years old? 
that's pretty good. Yeah. And yeah, like, sure. I don't know. I, I think this is one of those games where Microsoft is like, we up the textures, you know, and it looks good. Mm-hmm. I played it on a 4K TV and it looks good. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't look like, it doesn't look quite as sharp as like a modern day built for console, you know, or built for PC type shooter. But like, it does not look bad in the slightest. The textures look fine. Uh, the pop-in is so heavily reduced. Like you remember the old, excuse me, the old gears pop-in. It would just like, you'd see just flat textures for like 10 seconds. Oh yeah. And then everything would like cascade in. Mm-hmm. Doesn't do that. Like it'll do it for like a second and then just done. So it's clearly using the horsepower. There've only been a few frame drops, but like, you know, when you're emulating, you expect that, but nothing crazy, nothing nearly as bad as the previous like gears three experience. So I'm actually looking forward to trying three again. Nice. To see how, how that goes. But yeah, gears of war still a pretty good franchise. Just don't play one. Yeah. Just do not, do not play one. <laughs> Even the ultimate edition, just do not play one. If I if I advised you any of them, play the 360 version of one, because the ultimate edition, the last time I played it was just riddled with bugs. Hmm. Like it, I got locked out of a room. I had a room with no textures. I couldn't find my way out. It was terrible. <laughs> I think that's still up on those gaming nerds. I took like a clip or something. It was yeah. awful. You know what's um, not terrible? What's that? The fact that Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order is using the Unreal Engine. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah, I I find it funny that especially now that they bought Respawn, this obviously this is the game they were working on before they were purchased. Yes. But I wonder if at this point like Respawn just kind of has carte blanche to be like, "Hey, use whatever engine you want." And how that's going to impact other developers. Yeah, I hope Jedi Fallen Order is the best Star Wars game since KOTOR 1 and it shows that they don't need Frostbite. <laughs> I think it'd be smart for them to start letting developers pick their engines again. Uh, yeah, no, that'd be smart. I feel like it it won't happen unless games not on Frostbite published by them are very successful. Yeah, so everybody's like on all over the internet, like, yo, if this game is good, we have to buy it. You know, it's it's, it's obligatory. We have to buy this game if it's good. Yeah, because the common thread between all the stories, all the Jason Schreier stories between Mass Effect, Andromeda, and Anthem... Frostbite, Frostbite is at the core of the issue. Yeah, so. God. I, 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 I've never thought of an engine causing so much trouble for so many big games. Well, I mean, remember, like, DICE built Frostbite for Battlefield. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, it's not the engine's fault. Like, it's a lot good of people, at what it was honestly, built for. people blame Frostbite. It's not Frostbite's fault. It's not DICE's fault. For not, you know, it, it, DICE didn't make an engine and say, hey, everybody, use our easy-to-use engine. They built it for Battlefield and were like, hey, this is the next Battlefield engine that we're going to build all our future games on. And then EA was like, hey, we don't have to pay a licensing fee to use that. And DICE was probably like, hey, whoa, um, can we talk about this? Nope. <laughs> yep. Boom. FIFA. Frostbite. Madden. Frostbite. We just saved millions of dollars and pissed <laughs> off all of our developers. <laughs> Except dice. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, Jedi Fallen Order will be using the Unreal Engine, which is a breath of fresh air. Yeah, it's coming out November 15th. I'm super excited for this game, dude. What I'm wondering at this point is Jedi Fallen Order is coming out, and they said there was something Titanfall coming this year. What the hell is it? When is it? 
Is Respawn yeah. going to EA themselves? I don't understand. Uh, it's just going to be a skin for dreams. <sighs> like all the Sackboy skins back in the day. <laughs> I just don't know what they could possibly be making for Titanfall right now. Yeah, that's going to come out either. this year. Unless yeah. they're just announcing it at the end of this year. But it sounded like it was coming out, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe plans changed. Who knows? You know, maybe Apex changed those things, but uh, you know they said it after Apex came out. So, yeah. Well, I'm very excited for Jedi Fallen Order. I thought the trailer looked really cool. Um, it's a single player Star Wars game. It's the first no one microtransactions, since, like, no yep. multiplayer. Yep. I was waiting for him to pull a Cliffy P and be like, you know, no sixty dollar bullshit, <laughs> sixty dollar <laughs> multiplayer only bullshit. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, that worked out for Cliffy. That was smart that they didn't do that. <laughs> Boy, he really reached some radical heights with that. Um, oh man! Yeah, but yeah, that's a real lawbreaker. Uh, that's kind of all that story is. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. I'm excited yeah. that they're not using Frostbite. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, Frostbite didn't. They had to create their own save system. In yeah, because it's 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 a shooter engine. It's a first person shooter engine. <laughs> oh, like, it's not Frostbite's fault. Like that's the one thing people need to yeah. understand. It's not the engine's fault. It was never developed for those games. Yeah. And it would Dice never. I I imagine Dice never submitted it to EA as like, hey, you could save a bunch of money by just letting people program their own stuff in here. I imagine Dice was just like, this is for Battlefield, and EA was like, now it's for everyone. Maybe, yeah. Are you sure and, about that? <laughs> and kind of just jumping off that, um, off of the recent troubles in Bioware with um, Anthem and Mass Effect Andromeda, um, uh, Dual Shockers um, released a story saying, well, it was originally a tweet from Jason Schreier, um, that Bioware held an all-hands staff meeting, talked about issues raised internally and externally from various reports um some in the company are optimistic some are more skeptical um it's obvious that there's a lot of issues over there um but a lot of issues between the edmonton and austin studios is a lot of issues just within each studio itself so i'm really hoping that they can recover man bioware is kind of on their last legs here i feel like like the yeah. next game needs to be a hit or like it gets to a point where if their game, if their next game, like Dragon Age, you know, Dragon Age is going to be a big budget, hopefully single player game. Oh, please God. But like, if that game flops, EA is going to have to take a very serious look at, regardless of their role in the game's failures, they're going to have to take a very serious look at how much we have invested into Bioware to make these games that have hurt their reputation, have hurt our reputation, and have hurt the reputation of an engine that is at no fault for any of this. Like, leave Frostbite alone. You're really on the defend the inanimate object train right now, man. You're going all in on this. It's not its fault. It's You're cyberbullying the engine. It's not, though. Like, that's the thing. is like people just blame Frostbite, and they think Frostbite's the only problem. And it's not. That's the thing. is people, it's so easy to blame EA and blame Frostbite, but, like, Bioware took seven years to develop this game and waited until the last 18 months to actually make it. Yeah, yeah, on that like, for sure. Bioware is not faultless. And that's the thing that gets me is everybody's just like, it's not Bioware's fault. And it's like, they are the most at fault of anybody. Like, yeah, EA could tell you to use an engine all day, but 
to choose to make the conscious decision of, hey, we already made a game that works really well in Frostbite, that one game of the year. Let's not use that as the basis for Anthem. Yeah, and let's not look to the competition to see where they failed for us to avoid. Yeah, and let's failures. not look at what Destiny and the Division 1 did so that we can fail on both fronts, not having a good main game and then not having any end game. Yeah. Yep, let's sure. just do let's just make the worst possible game we could release at the po- worst possible time following up Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah. Pretty much. The fact that that game has any redeeming qualities does say a lot about BioWare and the people who are there that they polished a turd to at least look shiny. There it is. But, like, man. It's, it's like... I hope they figure it out, because I really want Dragon Age 4. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, I just want that game. I want to follow up to, to Inquisition, because I loved that game. I want that follow-up, and I want that game. Yeah. Um... You know, while we're on the topic of bad decisions, mm. and I guess this makes sense in the grand scheme of other bad decisions, uh, but apparently early in Destiny 2's lifespan, Bungie wanted to have cross-platform character transfers. So theoretically, you could play your character from PS4 on Xbox or on PC when that version inevitably came out. Uh, so, you know, you would, you would have one guardian to play with all your friends on all these different platforms, which would have been great. Oh yeah. Just stupendous. It's not gonna, it wouldn't have been cross play, but still to be the ability to take my guardian from PC and play them on PS4, but they had that deal in place with Sony with all this exclusive stuff. And as we saw with the wave splitter a week ago, it's just an issue. I, I assume that the biggest issue is just no, because we don't want our exclusive content going to other platforms. It's really annoying, man. Ugh. When at, apparently Bungie can just lock it out if you play on a different platform. But at that point, you know, why, why take that extra step? You know, why well, yeah. have to worry about what people are using now and in the future. That's exclusive to one platform when they move back and forth. And then how do you explain to players that you're losing access to items because you chose to play somewhere that isn't PlayStation? Yeah, it feels real, real anti-consumer. <laughs> yeah, it's a real bad deal. Real yeah, bad and deal. and we see that in our other story, this another story this week, where Control, the Remedy game, PlayStation 4 is getting an entire digital, digital deluxe edition that Xbox isn't getting at all. And with, Well, I mean, it might get it eventually. PC, I don't think, is getting it either. I don't know uh, if PC is getting it. I don't know. They're only showing the consoles and the Xbox One lacks a digital deluxe edition. Well, let's load up the Epic Games Store and take a look. <laughs> Fill for me. Yep. Um, so uh, this is we got this from Windows Central, but there's two images um, showing kind of similar to the Anthem rollout where they had like retail edition, digital standard, retail exclusive. Because that works so well. Yeah. And they show, oh, what all you get depending on which, uh, which edition you get. And, um, and it's... Sony threw a lot of money at the game, um, so they're getting an entirely new edition that has even more bonus features. I'm trying to read it. The the image is quite small, and I can't make it Yeah, the most important thing is they are getting rare, I believe rare weapon and armor mod, some type of mods that won't be available to the other players. I imagine these will be available in-game, but, oh, hey, Ross, did you know that Transistor is available for free on the Epic Game Store? 
I put that on the list. I know. I and I'm, I'm getting it right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm it's on a, here. Why not? Yeah. It's uh, Transistor, <laughs> one of my favorite games of all time. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. Epic. Why would you? Why? It's a free game. Why do you even need to list my credit card information? <laughs> don't, don't. That don't worry, scares don't. me, Epic. Don't. <laughs> um, but I, it, which bums me out because um, Control is a game I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. Um, I really liked Quantum Break, I think, more than a lot of people. Um, and Control, just from the little we've seen so far, I'm super psyched about it. I think Remedies are really cool developer who likes to try new things. And I'm very excited for it. So seeing this kind of divide in available content again, just like with Destiny, um, is a real bummer. And So it looks like on PC, you get, when you pre-order, you get some tactical response gear and a crafting resource pack. Are there multiple editions on the it Epic Games Store? It looks like it, but it's only showing me one. It says it says regular or, or PC standard digital. Okay. Is there okay. a, a more enhanced version? Is there a digital deluxe version? I don't know. Um, Boy, I wish the Epic Games Store had a better storefront. <laughs> oh, I'm um, sorry. I guess I'm wrong because Fortnite. Yeah. Um, but like, so for the PS4 edition, if you buy the digital deluxe version, you get everything in the expansion pass. And that is not available. That's not an option on Xbox Yo, One. do you want to hear something even worse oh. than Control? I just remembered because I saw the game on the Epic Game Store. I don't yeah. remember if I put this in here. I don't think I did. Uh, so, there was a game that got kickstarted, okay, called Phoenix Point. And it was from the creator of XCOM, and it was like a spiritual successor to that game. And they promised users uh, Steam keys for kickstarting it. But they, prior to doing anything like generating Steam keys for the game... Oh no, I know where this is going. They signed an exclusive deal with <laughs> oh, Epic. No. So they're oh, no. offering people Epic game keys, and anybody who wants a Steam key has to wait one full year to get their key, or they can get a refund. I would refund that game immediately. Oh, if nothing man. else, on the principle of, like, you just lied to me. Yeah, like, like, I feel... uh, like you just went back on a thing you told me, you promised me a Steam key, and then you just said, eh, actually, after we already have your money, we're going to sign another deal. Yeah. And it's like, like dude, no. The thing, the thing about the Epic Game Store is that I feel like most of it is not their fault. <laughs> it's developers choosing to move at inopportune times. No, I think it is their fault because they're, they are offering developers money to make something exclusive on a platform that, like... The only time you're exclusive is when it's your games, you know? Like, that's sustainable for EA because it's EA, it's their games, fine, whatever. For Ubisoft, even they put them on other platforms. You know, Blizzard, you can only get Blizzard games on Battle.net, you know? Like, that. that is justifiable because that's a publisher, you know, that's their games, whatever. But, you know, this is epic going to developers who are already saying hey you know your game is on steam we're gonna give you x amount of money to take it off of that storefront that's that is bad business for everybody i guess but epic and like it's just it's a it's a poor way of doing business in my eyes welcome to the console jungle pc players (laughs) yeah but consoles at least it's like i mean listen even on consoles it's shitty 
But, like, at least on consoles, you have the justification of, hey, it's these people who are physically making a box and need to get people to buy this box. You can, you know, a very thin line justify that on a console. But PCs are the same. They're all, you know, if you're on a Windows PC or a Linux PC or whatever, you know, you're buying from a store. I don't think Epic even supports Linux. But if you're on a Windows PC, nothing should be exclusive unless it's, you know, by that publisher. That's the only case where I see a justification there. Where I see it as like, hey, this game, like Fortnite. I understand Fortnite not coming to Steam because why would Epic give someone else a cut for a game they own? You know, if, if they can put out a storefront for it. And at the same time, I don't want all these people making all these different storefronts because I don't care how many icons, you know, if it's just another icon, it's still another icon. It's still another storefront. And frankly, Epic, I don't think has the security to to be especially trustworthy yet. Yeah. You know how many times people tried to get into my Epic account? Hmm. An absurd amount. Because yeah. people want to steal Fortnite accounts. That's what happens when you have the biggest game in the world. But like... I don't, I don't want to spend, I don't want to spend time ranting about Epic Games. It's just crazy, man. It's just, it's too much. And then like to promise people a Steam key and then say, ha ha ha, just kidding. You have to wait a year because we signed a deal. Like, no, you owe those people a Steam key and you promised them a release date. You know, like it's bad enough that Kickstarter probably going to get delayed because every Kickstarter does. But like to top it all off, you backed this game and then they tell you, actually, you have to change the store. You bought a Steam key, but we're going to give you an Epic key, or you have to wait. That is a piss-poor ultimatum. Mm. That is, that, you want to talk anti-consumer, you're actively lying to your consumers. You, yeah. you gave them the promise, with money, give us money, we will give you a Steam key. And then they said, but actually, now you have to wait a year. Yeah. That is absurd. That is unforgivable. I hope... The majority of that Kickstarter refunds just on the principle of that's bad business. Yep. And rant. And rant. You know, what's cool is that Persona 5 The Royal I was right. is getting a female protagonist. Hey. S- similar to Persona 3. Um, Smart which move. Which will... Ch- change up relationship options and there's also going to be a new very lengthy epilogue um so that's i did always feel like that game ended rather abruptly yeah a little bit um and it will be exclusive to ps4 um that's a shame but yep um and then we'll see did you hear they're not going to do a world a global release they said there's air quotes too much new content and so they can't do a global release so it's gonna be staggered again huh Come on. Wow. Come um, on. It's 2019. You can't do a global release. Come on. Yeah. Yo, then, man. Like, these people, publishers drive me crazy sometimes because it's like, why not just wait and let everybody have the game all at once? Because what? Japan, you're worried about people spoiling the game. Japan's just going to tell everybody what happens. If you want to find out what happens in Persona 5 The Royal, who the new characters are, you're going to know before the game comes to the West. They're worried about spoilers in Japan. They'll block the game from recording again. Man, I can't. I can't. I can't. This is too much. It's too much, Ross. Yeah. This is well, absurd in 2019. Yep. I, I think I we don't, can all agree this is not an agreeable decision for anybody. I don't disagree. Yeah. Um, and 
We still haven't gotten any more information on Persona 5S, which is rumored to be the Switch version. It sounds like there were, I think, some rumors in there, uh, some concern, but it sounds like it is just going to be regular base Persona 5. Uh, Or I don't know if I read something else, but that they might be interested in adding some of that content later, probably via like a DLC. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the speculation is that, like you said, it is the original version, not the Royal um, discussions to add some exclusive content for the Switch port, like there's a Ganondorf skin thing for Diablo, that type of thing. Um, Honestly, but... like, if it comes down to it, I would rather, and this isn't a knock on the Switch, but I would rather skip the Switch version if it's just going to be the exact same thing and have a couple cosmetic things for other games, and I would rather just buy the Royal. Like, mm. and that's not even a knock on, like, playing it on the Switch, but, like, I just want the new Persona 5. If it was the same one, I would strongly consider it. I would yeah. give very strong considera- consideration if it was the Royal. And then be like, yo, I could play this on break at work or something, you know? Um, yeah. But the fact that it's the same base game, it's like, I'm going to get a better version of that. I'm not go- I'm, Realistically, I'm not going to play it again knowing that the Royal is coming, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. Um, but so... for anybody who owns a Switch and hasn't played persona 5 and maybe doesn't care about playing it on the ps4 that game is excellent sometimes i wonder if it should have been game of the year uh no but it was very close i know but i uh, just want i think about it sometimes oh yeah yeah um so um we're atlas has said we're going to find out more information about both versions um specifically the royal on april 24th and persona 5s on the 25th so we will be yeah they're doing like some that. persona live thing some like live music concert thing I imagine yeah. similar to Distant Worlds for Final Fantasy. Yeah, so I'm excited to see what they have to say. Um, excited to see if they ever talk about Shin Megami Tensei Five again for Switch after that first initial reveal, the first time we saw the Switch. Um, let's save the next story till the end because that's yeah. the big papa. Um, hey, we got a release date for Marvel Ultimate Alliance Three: The Black yes, Order. Yes, too long after Avengers, which is next week. <laughs> Yep, um, we have to move out. the podcast. Well, we got we got to record on Wednesday, or it's going to be another Friday one because Thursday night I'm going to Avengers. <laughs> so we got to um, we got to stick to the schedule, or it's just not happening. <laughs> yep, yep, I'm seeing it next Sunday. Um, let's see, uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance Three: The Black Order coming out July 19th. Um, in Nintendo of Europe, posted a picture and uh, it confirmed a few characters we didn't know about before. Um, there is Spider-Gwen, there's, uh, Venom, who I don't think was confirmed, Nightcrawler, uh, oh, there's, let's see, Storm, uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, so I'm excited, like, can, I'm gonna be, can I get something yo, off ahead. my chest? Sure, I can't sure. shake the feeling that this game is not going to be good, but I'm still 100% gonna buy it. Yep. I, yep. I don't uh, know if you're feeling like kind of the same fine. way. I think it'll be decent at best yeah it just just looking at it i don't know I, this is a game where i would like to be pleasantly surprised but i wouldn't be surprised if it was another anthem well the expectations aren't nearly as high yeah i but... know which is to its favor yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it could be as good as anthem that might be enough <laughs> yeah no I, I expect it to be pretty good um yeah i hope so <clears throat> yeah um because c- who's developing it again yes yeah mm-hmm. um is it ninja theory is it, is it ninja I theory get, or is it I, I, team ninja? I, I, get, I think it might yeah, be team i always ninja. get them confused team ninja is the ones who it's partner. team ninja yeah because ninja theory is owned by um microsoft now yeah so yeah so, I, mean, I mean team ninja is definitely you know what i might have a little more faith in it like post like you know like neo and stuff like that yeah i mean they, they can clearly make good games 
Yeah, and the Ninja Gaiden games, like Neo. And Ninja Gaiden took a turn, but I think Neo was like, hey, Team Ninja can still make good games. Well, I mean, the Ninja Gaiden games mechanically were always very good. Yeah, I, I thought the general consensus was 3 was very bad. 3, yes, but 1 and 2 are yes. considered some of the best action games on the Xbox. Yeah, so it's good that Ninja Theory has not fallen into a rut and that they can still make good yeah. games. So I hope this game turns out to be very good. Yeah. Um, why don't you talk about the next thing? Uh, so, funny story with this. Uh, they, this week, buffed two Apex Legends characters, uh, Gibraltar and Caustic, because they are the two biggest characters in the game. They adjusted their hitboxes a few weeks ago, and apparently it fixed Pathfinder. Like, Pathfinder is great, deaths are down, people are playing better, you know, he, he's, he's doing better, and he's viable now, more so than he was. But Caustic and Gibraltar, I've played Gibraltar since they adjusted the hitbox. He's still pretty much the size of Montana. Mm. And so they made Great an adjustment state. to them where they now have a 10% uh, damage reduction. They also buffed Caustic and they buffed the shield on Gibraltar when he aims down sight. Mm. Uh, so they buffed. Can, can he chuck the shield further or is it Caustic who can chuck everything further? Caustic can throw everything further. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and he does more damage now. So if you land bunker, watch for the gas chamber. Because mm-hmm. that is a dangerous time unless you're the one doing it, and then it's damn fun. <laughs> <laughs> Just like everybody dies. <laughs> Slow and painful death. Oh, God. But yeah, uh, here's the thing, though. That created a bug. So the damage reduction applies to both the shield and... like I, I believe it applies to like your armor and your health. But it introduced a bug where like when Gibraltar... Excuse me, I don't know if it applies to Caustic, I don't remember, but I know at least for Gibraltar, when he takes damage, he will take health damage through his armor. I would imagine in and around that 10% level. Oh, good. So it looks like he's taking 10% of his armor damage to his health. Good. So he loses, like, a little, like, minuscule amount of health, but, like, he's taking health damage from his armor, which is a problem. So they're looking into that, um... And they're also paying close attention to both Caustic and Gibraltar. And they said this is like kind of a quick fix, but they're going to be watching it over the coming weeks and they will make more aggressive changes if their viability does not change. Mm. I don't think 10% is going to be enough, honestly, unless his shield is like really good now when he aims down. But I don't know. They're, they're very big. I think Caustic will probably be okay just because he'll do more damage now. But Gibraltar feels like, I like my games with Gibraltar are either like people shoot my shield and I kill everybody or people just shoot me in the head and I die, you know, because yeah. I'm like the biggest guy. And like, it's kind of a, it's like, am I a joke to you? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but it's uh, it's 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 a step in the right direction for a game that really needs some good press because Apex yeah. kind of feels like it's falling off a cliff right now. Yeah. Like, they are just not... They Like, I feel like they've burned through all the, like, initial hype, and now Apex just kind of feels like eh, it's there, but it's just... It's the same game that came out in February. Mm-hmm. They haven't done anything with it. Meanwhile, Fortnite took their two biggest features and now feature respawns and pinging in their game. <laughs> because they update on a weekly basis. Right. right, right Fortnite right. is still the most exciting game in the industry because nobody updates a game like Epic. Yeah. And in, like, I wish I liked it. I wish I liked to play it. That's the <laughs> that's the best I can say. I wish I enjoyed Fortnite enough to play it. I don't, but 
Man, that I is the most exciting game out there right now. Yeah. Um, so. Are we going to jump? How, how, I was thinking we jump. Uh, we should have probably followed up with the Persona thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. We should have done that. You want to take that? Um, yeah. So, um, version 3.0 for Super Smash Brothers came out. Have you It have included you played it? Joker. I have messed around with it a little bit. Okay. Um, so, finally, Joker was released. Just a reminder, um, Persona 5 Joker, not the Batman yes, villain, because indeed. people still think it's him. It's just people be intelligent. Um, so, yes, he was released. He's a cool character. He's a tricky character. I'm not good with him. That's that's that story. So he has a standard moveset, and then once he fills up a meter, he summons um, Arsene, and his moves get buffed, and some of them change. Did you uh, hear... Um, I don't want to get too like off topic on this, but I just remembered something. So I think it was yesterday or the day before there was a big, big controversy because you know, in the first song, the yes, wake up, get up, I get know. out there. Yep. Yeah, and it sounds I like they're that. saying a certain word, yeah. but apparently they're saying like retarget and oh, it's really? just, it's, it's the twang of it. Like yeah, that person singing. Ac- heavy accent. Yeah. So it sounds like they're saying a word that could be offensive to groups of people. Um, but they're actually just saying something else according to sources, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I, cause I, so I always heard it. I heard the thing and I was like, oh, every time that part comes on, I'm just like, oh God. Okay. And like, it just, I hate yeah. that part of the song. So I don't listen to the whole song, but now that I know it's apparently retarget, I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm good now, <laughs> but that's how I always heard it. And that's how people heard yeah, it yeah. when it played in the game. And so there was this big controversy and like Kotaku apparently ran an article and then like had to heavily backpedal. Yeah. Like I saw UK. the original article on Kotaku. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, yes. Joker's out. Uh, his stage Mementos is in there. Um, it's pretty cool. It has uh, moving trains got, that come in across the bottom. It's got music from um, like a bunch of Persona games. I know it has four uh, yeah. and I think it has three. Yep. Three, four, five. I like the yep. battle theme from four. Yeah. And so good. also... Depending on the music, the background changes. So when it's Persona 5, it's red color, and black. Yeah. Um, for Persona 4, it is yellow and black. And for Persona 3, it is blue and black. Um, super cool. Super, super cool. Did you see um, they also added Me Fighter skins for other Persona characters? Yeah, so they added Me Fighter skin for the Persona 3 protagonist, the Persona 4 protagonist. They added a Teddy hat from Persona 4. They added a Morgana hat from Persona 5. Um, uh, Joker's taunts bring Morgana in to say like Morgana lines, and uh, Joker's final smash is an all-out attack, and it randomizes the other three party members. It's great, um, and I love it. I watched it, yep. and it was great. It was perfect. Yep, they get it, and yep, and it's also the only final smash that you have a second chance at hitting. So you can once you activate it, he th- like launches himself forward, but um, if you miss, you can also like launch yourself backwards really fast again and still hit the final smash, which is cool. Um, the other huge feature is the stage builder, which is by far the most um, kind of detailed, feature-rich stage builder that they've ever put in a Smash game. Um, for example, um, someone made the uh, DVD idle screen where DVD is just bouncing around, trying to hit in the corner. Somebody also made um, some more questionable uh, levels. Of course, because of course the internet. <laughs> yep, someone made a very tall ladder and uh, put a caption. What a thrill! That's amazing. Yep, um, someone made the, the Ocarina Temple of Time. 
Um, someone recreated the like Target Smash mini game from previous Smash games. Uh, someone made the Avengers Tower, which looks actually super cool. Uh, Neon Genesis, like it's a really cool stage builder. You can uh, before you could just really put make platforms. Um, now you can uh, program moving platforms. There's layers. Um, it's like Little Big Planet. Yeah, there's three layers, so you can add decorative stuff in the background. It's cool. It's super cool, and and you can share levels, and not just with your friends, with everyone. So the you God can download levels. Oh, yeah. Um, and th- they also did add a video editor. I saw that too. Yeah. So you can do that if you want. Um, but yeah, it's a really cool update. Um, and they still haven't. Uh, they have not yet announced what the second DLC challenger will be. I know there's rumor. Um where they listed all five um it was obviously joker it was the dragon quest five protagonist i think it was doom patrol it was steve oh, from doom minecraft guy. doom guy yeah uh, oh sorry i've been watching doom patrol um <laughs> and then but i'm hoping those are wrong because i'm hoping with all of the sweet sweet love nintendo and microsoft have been having that i'm still holding out hope for master chief no i will buy the game again if there's a halo <laughs> level and it plays music <laughs> I will buy that game again. I don't care. I will unlock the Master Chief and I will master him. Yep. I will master yep. my Chief and I just want to play with the Halo theme. Just have hey, like you Chris. spawn in and it's just the trials playing and I'm just going to beat up everybody. Chris, guess what? That means there would be a Master Chef amiibo. <gasps> I need seven. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, I would uh, so, so buy that game I hate again just for Halo. Yep. There's I still, very few God. things I wouldn't do for Halo. <laughs> God, I really hope Chief gets in there. You no, know, if he gets really... in there, I mean, that's the only way I play Smash. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, uh, that's, that's it for Smash, though. Very good update. Very good job, Nintendo. So, let's get a little real for a minute here. You heard about those devastating fires at the Notre Dame Cathedral. Oh, yeah. For sure. That is tragic. That is terrible. Like that is genuinely like incredible that like I was sitting there like thinking, like, do you even fix this? Like that is such a landmark. Is rebuilding it even the answer, you know? And like because I, I oh, you'll never I recapture it. that magic. Yeah, I saw a heartbreaking picture of Quasimodo, the Disney Quasimodo just hugging Notre Dame. Yeah. And I was like, Oh man. That is such, like, and now, like, that makes me wonder, like, what's going on, like, with these other monuments, and it's like, yo, just, like, imagine if something, like, like, there are all these, like, wonderful monuments, but, like, they're, they're getting old, and they're gonna start falling apart, and, like, what do you do? Do you look at this and be like, hey, you know, we either need to do more preventative care, or we need to consider removing these things proactively? Yeah, they, they, there's, they say they're pretty sure that the fire was started by, like, uh, maintenance staff yeah it's like an electrical accident. short or yeah something. it's just like man man it, it, like hundreds and hundreds of years old monument just burned down just like that yeah it's it's crazy but um to to celebrate its existence its continued existence up to this point in its majesty um ubisoft is giving away assassin's creed unity which takes place in france and has that uh, that monument as like a focal point in its world and it was it was a mostly faithful recreation 
um, you know, made with care. So it's, they're doing it as a way to like view the cathedral in its prime and its majesty. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think that's really cool. And that's also a good way to get Assassin's Creed unity in people's hands because they sure weren't buying it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And also uh, Ubisoft announced a 500,000 euro donation to aid in the restoration and reconstruction. Uh, So, well, they owe a lot to, you know, that cathedral for that game, you know? So, yeah, if there's any franchise that understands and mostly respects history, it's the Assassin's Creed franchise. Yeah, I remember with Origins, like, they, they made, like, some hidden room in one of their pyramids, and then, like, people discovered, like, yo, like, it was a rumor, and then people were like, yo, this room is real. Yeah. And they were right, and they were like, yeah, we were right. <laughs> Come play our game. <laughs> Check this out. We knew. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that's uh, that's a that's a cool thing to do. I did download mine. It's pretty easy. You just go in and just it's in your library. You just click play free and you download through, it uh, you play? through Uplay. You play, yeah. Yep. So the game nice. has co-op. I will need to do that. Does it? It has a co-op mode. That was one of the big selling points. Where instead of like huh. you, know, it, 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 instead of just like, hey, we have the multiplayer. It's like, hey, now you can team up with your friends and do stuff. Oh, nice! Yeah. I'll download yeah, it. Yeah, you should. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that um, was a cool thing. Um. I don't want to go... Okay. So we got... leave the console stuff till last. We got a lot of bad news stuff left. So, like, it's hard <sighs> to follow up the cathedral. Uh, okay. So this was something I read today, according to comicbook.com. Uh, there is a rumor circulating that Halo Infinite uh, will have some type of at least Battle Royale-inspired mode. Uh, now, in July of 2018, uh, they were very vocal about saying there will not be a battle royale in the game. And then in December, they said the only BR the team is interested in is the battle rifle. So great, great line. Yes. But it appears that they are looking into making a similar type mode with a halo spin. So I'm imagining just a bigger than average level, maybe like a Warzone type level, but you drop in, you pick up all your weapons and it's just like a last man standing type thing. So probably a smaller scale, more like a arena type, maybe closer to like, um, uh, what the hell is that game? Like the culling? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. It's, it, but it, like, or, or like that one that Microsoft was working on, uh, where they had like the shoutcaster on stage. Cause that one's like a small number of players and it's just like, a you know, different zones and stuff. So I imagine mm-hmm. them doing maybe something along those lines, um, you know, with the halo twist, I... Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. I really there's think they be, should worry about other stuff. There's going to be rumors that they're working on a Battle Royale mode and they're not working on Battle Royale mode until the game comes yeah. out. So I'm kind of going... I'm, I'm turning myself off to BR talk from about Halo Infinite unless 343 says something about it. Yeah. Because it's just going to keep going back and forth. So... Yeah. Um, Speaking, Another... Oh, yeah. Did you want to... I was just I was going to transition to the Housemark article. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, Housemark, developer of Storm Divers, which is currently in beta. It's a I've battle royale it. game. How is it? Good. I can't talk about the part of it I played. Oh <laughs> I right, yeah. Shouldn't even say that. But... NDA. <laughs> um, um, I'll be honest. It's... I haven't played it since, just because um, they, their times have been weird. And honest to mm. God, this. This article does not surprise me in the slightest because this is exactly how I felt about the game since, you know, PUBG and Fortnite took off. Yeah, so, um, 
Yeah, so the CEO of Housemark said that uh, it's unlikely to be a success. Yeah, and, you know, in the crowded... Now, their thing is they're looking at, like, Apex, and Apex had a lot of, like, the movement abilities and character class type stuff that they were featuring, and, like, they don't... They're not bringing... I don't want to say they're not bringing anything original to the table. Like, they have the disasters and stuff, which are really cool. Uh, like, a tornado could pop up and force you out of a combat zone. You know? Like, it could be really thick. And then, like, oh, there's a tornado here. Everybody has to scatter or they'll die. You know? So, there's cool stuff like that, but... I don't know. Like... Yeah. The game never felt, like, amazing. It was cool in the context of, like, hey... You know, Battle Royale is a kind of a budding genre. I think they had like up to 50 or 60 players they could put in a server. Maybe it's more now. But it, it was fun. There were some abilities I wasn't crazy about. Like, you know, anytime you can turn invisible is like for extended periods of time. And then fire your mm -hmm. weapon. That's always iffy to me. Yeah. So um, this is their first attempt at trying to break into the AAA space after declaring that Arcade is dead after Resogun. This game's been um, in development for a long time, though. Uh, it says it's problem. been in development for two years. Um, I saw yeah, two years. Somewhere. Okay, yeah. Um, the the they've been bouncing around the idea since 2013, but it's only been an active development for the past couple of years. Um, I think it's been at least concepted since around the time they did like they were talking about it around the time Next Machina came out. When did that come out? Yeah. Um, it has a. It's a small development team, around 15 people. Um, Housemark has a second project that has around 60 people that the CEO's hoping will be the studio's success. It's unannounced. But it does have um, a publisher. Have a... And will probably Indeed. come to the Epic Game Store. Probably, yeah. Probably exclusive um, for about a year. But as long as they don't <laughs> announce it for Steam, it's not as big a deal. Yeah, It's not a big deal yeah. at all as long as you don't announce the game for Steam. Yeah, so... Yeah, it's just this whole this whole game has taken longer than they would have liked to get off the ground, and now they were there it's just... testing it when PUBG was in early access before that game blew up. So they right, got some right. cred from that, like, "Hey, here's this, you know, this is a legitimate, you know, thing, and here's this big guy making his own game." Like, you know, they're they're at the genre at the right time. They just took too long. They did. This game is and taking they they far too in the long. Foot. And it was going to be a premium game, just like PUBG, which I guess in hindsight, that would have now been a mistake. But Yeah, yeah, at this but point. But now they're like, you know, hey, so we have to pivot to a free-to-play game because that's what the market demands. But do we have enough, like, cosmetic stuff? Do we have enough things there to make players find their time with it worth it or be willing to spend money on it, you know? Right, right. So, so yeah, that's that's a bummer. Hopefully, whatever their other game is will bring the studio success because this apparently will not. Yeah. Um. So last two of the last three stories are about Sony. So let's talk about this one. So Xbox has finally announced their discless Xbox One console, and it is a mistake. Hey. Okay. It is a big mistake. So let's let's go through let's go through just some stuff here. So it's going to be priced at two hundred fifty bucks. Mistake number one. Um, they're saying they expect to maintain at least a $50 difference between the Xbox One S and the all-digital version, Valid. saying that the digital version will always be at least $50 cheaper. So, price cut pending, it could go cheaper. Um, it comes pre-installed with uh, Minecraft, Sea of Thieves, and Forza Horizon 3. 
Um, you should have done Horizon 4. I get it. You're still selling it, but Game Pass is a thing. Just put it in there. Yeah. That's like, why yeah. would you give and, people the two-year-old, the almost three-year-old game? Yeah, and it's uh, coming out on May 7th. So, continue into rant. No, it's just a mistake. That price is too high for an all-digital console. Because here's the thing. Used games are a thing. Anybody who's nobody who's currently has an Xbox, this is not targeted to people who are current Xbox owners like the Xbox One X is. This is targeted to newer gamers, maybe less savvy gamers, who just want a nice entry level and have things kind of simplified for them. But here's the thing. Used games are cheap, and there's a lot of them right now, but they all run on discs. So, like, if you're buying an Xbox right now, you're probably not dropping $60. Like, you know, yes, again, Game Pass is a thing. And with this, they did also announce, like, a new hybrid pricing for Xbox Live and Game Pass at $15 a month that really feels tailor-made for this box. Uh, And, like, anybody who buys this should buy Game Pass because that's the only way you're going to get value on this box. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, I think they outs- try to they try to justify it saying that it does come with Minecraft and Sea of Thieves and Forza Horizon Three. That's how they. I feel like they're kind of framing it as a bundle almost. Yeah, it's just it's a shame that like they're like if it were even fifty dollars less, that would be a more palatable price point. But now you're right in the price range with your Xbox One S, which frequently retails for two fifty. So this thing's gonna have to be one ninety nine at a lot of retailers anyway. You're right up there, you know, within $50 of the PlayStation 4 that's been kicking this box's ass all year, all generation, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you're within $50 of the Nintendo Switch, which also supports physical games. Yep. So, like, I don't know who the market for this is. Like, who is going out there and saying, yes, I want to spend, you know, yeah, I want to save $50 and buy all my games digital on a one terabyte, you know, slow drive. You know, like, th- there's too, there are too many cheap games, and if this is your first console of the generation, you know, if you've been waiting for that cheap Xbox, outside of, like, a flash sale or something, you're not gonna get, like, amazing deals on these digital games. Like, you know, they're on sale enough, but unless, you know, unless you have Xbox Live and unless you have Game Pass, you know, this this might not be the best way to go. You might spend an extra $50 to get one with a disk drive, but you probably save that money just in used games. And, mm. you know, it, all, all this can be said for the publisher, you know, supporting the publisher, things like that. But if we're talking about a game that came out like Dragon Age Inquisition, you know, let's talk about that game real quick. That came out in what, 2014? 2015, yeah, maybe? I so. But like, yeah. that game you could buy for pennies on the dollar. And they still sell it for like 20, 30 bucks in, in the digital store when it's not on sale. You know, you can go to GameStop and get the game for like nothing. So, or, or on Amazon, you know, and it, it's just, you're restricting your ability to play games to what's being curated this week, this month, whatever the case is, you know, like, mm-hmm. and that's something, you know, with, with the discount programs and things like that. And, you know, get $10 back when you pre-order a game at Amazon, like you're, they're just, they're doing this to keep the money in house and I get it and I respect it, but like. I don't see I don't see there being this is not going to be a market shattering release. This is going to be a very quiet, very ho hum. They're not going to talk numbers with this. They're not going to talk about, "Hey, you know, we pushed X amount of Xbox One all digitals." They're going to just say, "Hey, the whole Xbox family is enjoying success. You know, Xbox One X is still doing really well. One S is selling well, and they'll probably lump this in with One S, you know?" But like, mm-hmm. I don't expect Microsoft 
you know, come June 7th or July 7th to be like, Hey, you know what? We've seen really great success around this unless it's like on sale for $150. Like that's the only time sub 200. Sure. You know, because then you're looking at, Hey, you get these three pre-installed games. I still don't understand Forza Horizon 3 though. Sea of Thieves came out the same year as Forza Horizon 4. So it's obviously not that the game is too new. Yeah, it makes you wonder. Yeah, I don't know. Like that's just such a boneheaded it. thing. I frankly, I don't even think Horizon Three is the best Horizon game. Like, I yeah. think Four is probably the best one. Then maybe you're looking at one or two. Like, I think Three oh, might three. be the worst of them. I liked Three a lot. Three was fine. I thought it was a little boring environment-wise. Oh, see, I did not think it was boring at yeah, all. I, I don't know. I think Four is definitely the best looking and play like probably the best playing of them. That makes sense. Having played. Granted, I've played. I I didn't play. No, I did play the original Horizon. Yeah, I have played all four, and four is the one I put the most time into. Four was mm. the one that grabbed me. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it doesn't make it, any it, sense. It doesn't um, at all. But let's. We should probably. It should include Game Pass for like six months. That would be better yeah. if it includes six months of Game Pass. Sure, buy it. Um. Yeah. But yeah, so the biggest news of the week, Sony has stricter guidelines for sexual content. Yep. Uh, This is not actually the biggest news, but let's just get this out of the way. We'll follow this up with some good news. Um, A lot of people have probably been hearing that Sony has had stuff censored in their games, uh, including a weird thing in Devil May Cry 5, which was not censored on any other platform. And including things where like, you know, developers are releasing games on the Switch and Nintendo says, that's fine. And Sony's like, yo, yo put light rays. I don't understand their logic because they put light rays over. And listen, I'm not going to sit here and defend these games because like these are children. And there's a fine line. Like Persona is kind of where I draw the line. It's like adult teenagers. You know, it's like, you know, they've, they've kind of lived. But like when you've got like small kids in these games, scantily clad, I'm not, I'm not about that. And so, no. moving on from that poor thing. Um, yep, Nintendo is the mature Nintendo console. Nintendo is allowing these things. And Sony's putting, like, you know, they're, they're making developers put, like, these light rays over, like, characters that are in, like, a bra and panties. And the light rays make it look more suggestive. Because mm. you can't see the clothing. Indeed. And so it's like, I'm more inclined to believe that character is naked now. Which makes me yeah. more uncomfortable because they look like they're 12. You know what makes you comfortable? PlayStation 5 specs. Yeah, that's my happy place. Um, yeah, so this is the big story of the week. Wired had an exclusive with one. Uh, it is Mark Cerny, right? Yes. Mark Cerny. Uh, Mark Cerny, the architect behind. Creator of Neck. Yes, and the architect behind the, you know, one of the big architects behind the PlayStation 4 and now the PlayStation 5. Uh, yep. He dropped. I don't want to sign up for your thing. I don't want your flash sale. <laughs> Jesus, Wired. Um, there are other so, places you can go and not be bombarded by these ads. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I dropped my phone. Uh, I put the Wired article because there were a couple things I liked um, yeah. from the original Polygon one, but continue. Yeah. So, the console is, it, it, for all intents and purposes, a better PlayStation 4. Which is really, like, it feels like Sony is doubling down on the concept of, we make a game console to play games. 
You know, we have these other things, but the most important thing to us is downloading or putting your disc in and playing the game. And now with PlayStation 5, doing it faster. Uh, More on that in a little bit. Um, So they won't name it. They talked the next generation PlayStation console, but it's probably going to be the PlayStation 5. It's probably going to be a black box. Wouldn't it be great if they came out and it was just like, yo, like a color? Yeah, what if it's just like those like octahedron PCs? (laughs) (laughs) Just one of those monstrosities. So big talk here. All right, flat out. If this comes out next year, as rumored, this is going to be, and I imagine Xbox will also be within that realm, these will be the most technologically relevant consoles ever released. And expensive. Hopefully not like too much. Super so listen, listen, listen. They're using an 8-core Ray Ryzen. Tracing. Dude, but the Ryzen and the Navi are supposed to be budget market. So they're high performance in the budget market. AMD is not going to the high end. They're not targeting the same market as NVIDIA. They're pushing cards that are going to have performance in line with like a, you know, a GTX 1080 and things like that, which are still exponentially more powerful than even like the Xbox One X. I would rather have a GTX 1080 than whatever's in the Xbox One X because I think that's still going to push better power through the console. But... The important thing is, this is going to have Zen 2, which is, you know, there was Ryzen, then there was Zen Plus, which was kind of like Ryzen 2, which, you know, these are the processors that AMD has been clawing their way back into the market with and has been putting the push on Intel with. Um, I run one of these in my system. They are going to run the newest version, which is coming out towards the end of this year. They are going to have... Within, you know, even if it releases at the end of next year, they might have like a Zen 3 Plus or whatever, or Zen 2 Plus, whatever, but this will still be a relevant and powerful processor. Because Zen 2, this is their, this is their magic. Like Ryzen was like the start and this is where they're like, yo, you're going to game on AMD. This is, you're going to game on AMD and you're not going to pay a thousand dollars to do it. Like they have processors like... In the 8-core range, which the PS5... It, we're going to call it the PlayStation 5. Which the PS5 is going to be running. So it's going to be 8 cores, 16 threads, which I know is, sounds like gibberish to people, but here's the thing. You have more powerful clocks, which is the power of the processor. How fast it can process things. Zen 2, Ryzen 3... It's confusing. They made a mistake. They made a mistake, okay? <laughs> Xbox One. They made a mistake. Because they did Zen, then Zen Plus, then Zen 2, but it's the 3000 series. It's uh, um, So, with Zen 2, it's a 7 nanometer, which means it's very power efficient. Which means the consoles won't have to downclock processors to... Like, these are going to be energy efficient in a way that... These, you know, in, in a more important way than, like, these Jaguar processors are. So you won't have to downclock them. So you could be looking at speeds in the 3 gigahertz up to 4 gigahertz range, depending on how they clock these. And, you know, I don't know if they're going to be the 16-thread model. I hope so. Threads are important because that's different places you could put the processing. You know, threads, if properly utilized, like, say, in a game like Anthem or a game like Apex Legends, you know, more and more games are multi-core optimized. And you can get more performance out of your CPU that way. Because if you're only using two cores on your CPU, or on a PlayStation, if you're only utilizing four cores, you have four cores doing nothing, right? So, by think of it kind of like the cell, but not as complicated. So, the idea here is they're going to have a cutting-edge processor in this, in this console. At a price yeah. that's favorable. That people are going to go, and this could be a sub-$200 processor. 
or a, around a $200 consumer processor. APU is what they're going to have in it, APU. But it's going to run Navi, which is their next generation, the, the replacement for Radeon um, or for their like RX, whatever. The I, I don't know what their current one is. I think it's Radeon. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, I have no I idea. I don't know. I don't remember any of their uh, GPU stuff, but this one matters. This one's relevant to modern gamers, which AMD has not been for a long time. Uh, but these process or these GPUs are again going to be consumer friendly prices, and you imagine Sony's going to get a big discount because they're going to want to make millions and millions of these boxes. Mm-hmm. So realistically, this could be a console that comes out at around five hundred ninety nine U S dollars or less if the pricing's right. Yeah, I, I feel like they if they go above six hundred. It's going to be rough. I don't think you can go higher than 600 And I think Sony has think to look at that and be like, okay, how important is it to make a profit? Or how important is it to make a statement? Yeah. And yeah. I feel like it's if you're going to have the most... If you're going to get out here and make the most powerful console in the world, theoretically, as of right now, this is the only one we know about. So this is right now yeah. the most powerful console ever built. Until Microsoft says yeah. otherwise. Yeah, and it also um, it also includes uh, a custom unit for 3D audio yeah, that's... that Mark Cerny feels like has been the most neglected part of game consoles that he's he believes will completely change the so game. So they experience. mentioned ray tracing, which a lot of yeah, people they did mention So ray here's tracing. the thing, a lot of people look at ray tracing as the visual standpoint of like bouncing shadows and things like that, but Eurogamer, mm-hmm. uh, the the digital foundry guys did a really good video and I kind of had the same thought. He also talks about ray tracing for audio. So the same concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think this is ray tracing for visuals. I do believe this is ray tracing for the 3D audio, which will have a very, very minimal impact on visual performance. So basically, the ray tracing in this console would generate the world, and then the rays that would normally generate shadows in a visual setting would bounce around to detect surfaces where it could bounce audio. So you could have a more realistic echo in a room. You could have better sound, like... Think like surround sound, much more accurate surround sound. You would be able to better detect somebody to your back right, directly behind you, back left, front left, front right, things and like you're that. Get, and, you're, and you can get this from just your TV yeah, speakers. Because it's That's designed, cool. it's, it's the console is pushing it out. So mm-hmm. it's just going to know where the sounds are coming from. I think that's the smart way to go. I think audio is an underrated aspect of these games. Um, and I think it's smart to apply ray tracing in a less intense... Pardon me. In a less intensive format, um, the but the the, the biggest, biggest thing. thing bigger than even just so they ha- they're going to talk about an SSD and games are going to get bigger, so an SSD is super important. And SSDs instead of the spinning trays like they have in modern hard drives and consoles and things like that, the SSD is more like a flash drive. the The data is stored more logically; it's moved around better, organized, and then it's faster to grab faster load times. Sony apparently is going with a custom drive. So they have a custom built SSD that I imagine I think will be around one terabyte, which probably won't be enough because it's going to one terabyte in these new consoles is going to be the equivalent of the 500 gigs at the start of the generation. Quote me. Yeah. Anyway, this, they did a test on a PS4 pro stock PS4 pro. They loaded Spider-Man last year, Spider-Man. They loaded a scene And it took 15 seconds to load that scene. They did the same thing on a dev kit for a PS5. And and as they say, an early low speed version. 
And what took 15 seconds took less than one. It was 0.8 seconds to load the same scene. Now, that's assuming it's still loading the PS4 assets and things like that. A bigger game designed for PlayStation 5 would probably take a little bit longer. But we all know load times are atrocious. They really yeah, are. And, and this is huge. Yeah, and Cerny kind of goes into it a little bit more. And he talks about um, how important their custom SSD is. Because um, he says that, for example, if he bought an SSD that cost as much as a PS4 Pro, and it might increase the load speed by about one third, as opposed to the 19 times faster for the next gen console from the demo. Yeah, and so this is very smart. They're, I think they're investing their money, the money that they're saving from you know, AMD going a more consumer-friendly route, the money they're saving with that, they're spending in the right places to make this yeah. console. Like, they are they are probably coming out because they feel like they have to because Google has Stadia and things like that. And they're just like, hey, 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 consoles aren't going anywhere, guys. And we are making the best one we've ever made. This is exciting. This is, like... And they talked about some of their games like The Last of Us 2 and maybe Death Stranding could be cross-generation. So, like, this is exciting. Like, it is an exciting time again. They're kind of doing what they did, but people didn't take it seriously with the PS4 and the Xbox One. And they people didn't understand how much more powerful these consoles could be than their predecessors. And I think Sony's coming out and making it very clear, like, yo, this is not a PlayStation 4 Pro Plus. This is a generational leap. Yeah. And yeah. that's important. And it's... It's super exciting because, I mean, for a few generations now, they've been saying that consoles are going away. And I thought that this might be the generation where streaming is becoming a bigger thing, that people might be stepping back. But to see Sony kind of double down on this, it, as a as someone who primarily enjoys console gaming, is, is reassuring. It makes this, me feel nice on the this, inside. Like, my only concern is that they might still target 30 FPS. They might still target 4K 30 FPS and apply the hardware just to you know, still better visuals. I think that's a mistake. I think frame rate, it's time for... They said 8K, it's, right? It's scalable up to 8K. Oh, Just yeah, like gotcha, Google gotcha. Stadia. I feel like you have to... You, you gotta have the thing on the box that Google Stadia says. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's not... They're not targeting 8K. It's scalable. But like this... As somebody who like doesn't play a lot of console games right now, if they target that 60 FPS, uh, that frame rate... And maintain, you know, the visuals or even enhance them well beyond like a PS4 Pro, which they totally could. There are rumors that their GPU is going to have a better uh, um, gigabits, the better gig of, I can't talk anymore. The gigaflops. Flops. They're going to have more flops than um, the Google Stadia. So hmm. I can't talk anymore. This is exciting. Like to me, if they if they get the 60 FPS, if they make that a target because console games like they used to do 60 FPS and console games look good. And you know, now they're visually better, but that 30 FPS is holding games back from being better. You, you might not think so. Cause like people are so used to it, but frame rate can be more important than visual fidelity. If used properly, a smoother gameplay experience can make some of the warts of a game that maybe doesn't look as good can make them better by just playing better and feeling smoother. That's why that's why yeah, Call that's of why Duty has always targeted 60 FPS. Yeah, and I, I think that with games, especially with PS4 Pro, that give you the option between better performance and better visuals, I think a lot of people go better performance. I, I, yeah, that's the smart thing to do because these consoles aren't even yeah. true 4K. And we'll yeah. see Check we'll see board. what happens with the five. But as somebody who's a primary PC player, if they can get the 4K 60, 
I will definitely, like, this This changes my outlook of, I've got a big-ass 4K TV, you know, weird flex, okay, but, like, <laughs> I would love to have a console that can give the performance of my PC on my TV. And it yeah. sounds like PlayStation 5 is moving in that direction. And to me, yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited super to hear important. more. And that that that's the kind of thing that's going to get me out there day one to buy a console. If if they're launching with you know Horizon Zero Dawn two things like that, if those are launch titles, if Sony has like a launch year that's like, hey, guess what? All your favorite games from PS4 sequels. Let's go. Yeah, if they could have a launch year as strong as the Switch's first or like initial launch with Breath of the Wild and Odyssey, or not Odyssey, Breath of the Wild. No, Odyssey if they can was have the that kind of year, game. It was first year. I was thinking like launch, launch. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but if they can like have a showstopper at launch, that's it's huge. like Horizon launches day and date with the yeah. PlayStation Five in the box. <laughs> that would be yeah. the ultimate showstopper. Free Resistance with Four. The oh my God! Shut up! <laughs> I can't believe you've done this. All right. <laughs> we need. Yeah, to end we this. do. Uh, guys, thanks so much for listening. As always, it's been a pleasure. Uh, exciting things are happening in games. Shitty things are happening in games, but exciting things are also happening. Yeah. Um, be excited about be excited. games. And be excited. Book club. Remember, read the book. Halo First Strike. Hey, yep. Check the site. We'll have stuff um, up. Yep. Uh, May 5th is when the podcast is going up. Make sure it's right before yes. then. Um, and yeah. yeah, I'll have something up this week for the Revelry, Destiny 2's current ongoing event. I have opinions and uh, we will discuss those. <laughs> Uh, But thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you on the next one. Yep, see ya.